Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Come on, let's magnify the Lord. Clap your hands and lift your voices and praise the King of kings and Lord of lords today. How many of you are thankful for the goodness of God? Come on, praise Him. Praise Him this morning when we think of the goodness of Jesus and all that He's done. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. I want you to open your heart for a moment and and I want you to pray and ask God to open your mind and open your spirit. Would you take a moment and just begin to talk to Him? Lord, we love you, Jesus. We were in our minds and our hearts to be open to what you're going to speak to us today. Help us, Lord, to be a church that can embrace an end-time, an end-time harvest, an end-time revival. We're praying, oh God, that you would be with us, oh Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. In the... In the book of 2 Samuel chapter 9, we're going to start this this first word service today with the continuation of our family series. I hope this has been a blessing to you. We want to be better communicators and understand who we are in this end time. And uh, I do want to say before I start, it is so good to have Pastor Luke St. Clair and his daughter Jocelyn with us. Amen. Would you welcome them? We are so glad they are here. They are going to be speaking at our all-nation service, which starts at 11. And uh, we are believing for great, great things that what God's going to speak to us and do through us. How many love missions? Amen, amen. The second Samuel chapter 9, reading with verse 5, it says, Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Mishur, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Everybody say Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. I'd like to use this portion of scripture today to teach about blended families. Blended families. You may be seated. We are living in a day that that tra- the traditional family is, is, is in our community less than what is being more of a modern family, a, a, a new normal. And um, when you begin to study the church and study our communities, you will see that divorce is increasing. There are a lot of divorced families in America. It was not that way back in the early and, and uh, the 1900s, but it has increased evermore. I mean, realize in North America right now that there are 50% divorce rate, 50%. It would even be higher right now if people didn't live together. But people do not get married. Nowadays, they live together and then split. 
And so divorce rate would even be higher if that was the case. When you are looking at Muskingum County and specifically our city Zanesville, at least even in northeastern Ohio, you will find that the divorce rate is about 64%. 43% of babies in this community are born out of wedlock. What does this mean? It means that it is not the traditional family that is coming to the house of God. It impacts in the community and it also impacts here in the church. How do we deal with a blended family? How do we deal with what is known as step families? And sometimes a family that is blended can feel less than. And uh, they can feel trying to have expectations of that, of that family being like a traditional family, but, but it is not. And uh, I want to teach you today because what seemingly is not traditional or maybe what seemingly can be wrong in your eyes. Could I tell you, God can fix it, God can bless it, and you can thrive in a blended family. Would you clap your hands and say amen? Sister Ross coined a great statement that I mentioned recently. She talked about when she walked away from the Lord at 18 years old and was out of the church for 55 years. She made this statement, and when I was walked her to her car one day, and she said, Pastor, keep teaching what you're teaching to the young people. She said, because, Pastor, she said, I, I, I wish I could do it over. She said, I realize there are no do-overs. How many know that? She said, but there are new beginnings. And I'm going to tell you right now, when we are addressing an end-time revival, we just can't preach and teach as if everybody comes to church having it all together. That they're celebrating 25 and 50 years of marriage. It's almost an anomaly and we should celebrate that. But I'm going to tell you when he stretched his hands out at Calvary, allowed the nails to be driven in his hands and his feet, the statement had been made, it's not those that are well that need a physician. It's not those that are righteous that need forgiveness. But how many know he went and died for you and me and everybody no matter how far they are away from God? No matter how much repercussion of sin has affected their life. I'm going to ask this church a question before I continue. How many want to see a great end time revival that God pours out forgiveness and mercy and grace? Pours out his spirit where people can be healed and delivered and set free and start all over again. Somebody shout hallelujah. One of the things that the enemy used as a tactic and a tool is to make you feel less than if I'd have just been in church my whole life, if I would have just stayed in church. And I am going to say at this point, the worst thing you can do as a saved family is find a discouraged moment and exit the house of God. I will say to everyone that is here, and everybody that's ever walked away from God can echo me and would amen what I'm saying. The worst mistake you can do as a mom and a dad is to leave the house of God. Because with that are sins and repercussions. It damages the family. It damages the faith. It changes the expectations of the house of God. And so I can't stop preaching the truth because we have erred at moments in our lives. There are repercussions of walking away from God. And how many know it's true? 
The Bible says in Proverbs 7, she's casted down many wounded. Many strong men have been, have been slain by her. Talking about the effects of sin. Could I say to you, the best decision you'll ever make is to bring your family to the house of God and stay in the house of God. Can I get a witness from somebody on a Sunday morning? The best thing you've ever done is come to the house of God and give your life to Jesus Christ. There are many, though, in this room could say the worst mistake you've ever made was in a moment of frustration, moment of temptation, moment of discouragement, a moment of offense, walked away from God because of those moments. But I'm so glad that he has a come-home policy. Somebody in our First Steps breakfast this morning made the statement. She said to me, she said, Pastor, she said, I went away from the Lord. She said, I... I could never get the church off my mind. She said, I want to say thank you for being you and your wife and the church being the church. She said, because I could come home. She said, I've come home wounded. I've come home broken. But guess what? I'm home. Amen. Can I say to you, God can heal every wound. God can heal every brokenness. God can heal the mistakes. God can turn it. I've come to preach to you in a 2023 revival. People are coming home. They're going to be broken. They're going to be busted. But we know the almighty healer. We know an almighty savior that's able to fix it. Amen. Amen. I will say to you, even scriptural points that talk about don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Young people do not date out of the church. If they are not born again, faith to the house of God, in the altar, it is not an option. I made a covenant with God when I was about 15 years old. I said, Lord, if they're not saved in the altar, then it's not going to be an option. Because if you're not careful in a lot of cases, you will find somebody that will pull you away from God. It is a rare occasion for someone today out of the church and that person get in the church. Very rare. You will end up dealing with uh, being away from God or in a divorce or in, a, or in an unhappy, unequally yoked relationship. That is not the will of God. Amen. It's better to be single and lonely than married and miserable. That's the truth. Don't be looking out of the corner of your eye at the person sitting beside you. But, Amen. There are a tragic, tragedy of families in 2023. When people are coming to God, as someone else in first step said, said, I've had a rough, a rough life, but I'm so glad to be in the church. I want you to know in the church is the best life. Doesn't mean it's perfect, but it's the best. God designed the church to be a hospital for sinners. A home for backsliders to return to. And when you, we, you are dealing with an end time revival, my brothers, you know, and he, he preached a message during COVID here called an uncommon revival. I was so sick with COVID laying in bed, watching live stream, tears running, running down into my ears. I was so moved by what he was saying. But when people are coming off the streets, we're not reaching for apostolics. We're not reaching for just traditional families. We're reaching for people that he gave his life for. And people, people were coming to his church and 
people would be laying in the landscape of his church saying, I've heard there's hope here. They didn't have a home. They didn't have a family. They didn't have a house to go to. The only thing they had around them was used needles and regrets. He started opening his door to the recovery ministry. And uh, they're not coming to the church as virgins. They're not coming to the house of God pure. They're not coming to, they're not coming to church with, with this perfect record. They're coming in with felonies and fentanyl. They're coming in with insecurities and regrets. Brother Gene, Sister Cammy, you could, you could talk about it all day. They're coming in with abuse and molestation and, and things that have happened that scars that are in their life. They're coming in broken. They're coming in married once, twice, three. I've even seen people that have been married seven times. And I've come to say to you that when they come to the house of God, the devil's going to walk in their world and say, you can never be holy. You can never be good. What happened to you when you were seven? What you did when you were 13? What you continued into your adult life? And the devil would want them to think they're broken. And I'm going to tell you right now, they might have been broken. You might have been broken. But God can work a miracle and put it all together. You might be watching in line wanting to be here. Online wanting to be here, but you don't feel holy enough. Can I tell you, there's none of us that were holy enough. It's by His blood, it's by His mercy and His grace that we're able to be here. I think we ought to stand to our feet for a moment and lift up holy hands and say, God, I love you. Jesus, I need you. I need you today. I need you in my heart. I need your healing. My family needs a miracle. In the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout in the name of Jesus Christ. You may be seated and everybody shout, they are coming home. I may want to see a whole church filled with people. Oh yeah, we've sent people everywhere. There's about to be a revival. They're coming. But when they come, they're going to come from, in our area, two out of three from a family that's been separated, divorced, brokenness, regret. What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? They're coming in. They're going to be raising someone else's children. They're not their biological children. They have his kids, her kids, their kids, and the grandkids. That's right. It's no, no longer just boy meets girl, girl meets boy. They fall in love. They have their children. They raise them. Now it's boy meets girl, girl meets boy. She had a baby. He had a child. Not allowed to talk to them. It's true. Then they come to the house of God, fearful how people are going to perceive them. I'm just going to tell you, I don't care where you came from. I don't care. They're coming in with jealousies, envy, hurt, comparisons. It's a multi-generational household. So many children in foster care, they don't have anywhere to put them. As soon as you sign up to uh, bring a kid, then they tell you, but they're in three different homes. Can you take them and put them together again? 
then you got this family, and you got another family, and this family, and next thing you know, you have 12 kids in your house because the system is flooded with children. It's true, because babies are having babies. You know what I mean? Young teenagers, I was in chaplain of the juvenile, just let me bear my heart here, but I was a chaplain at the juvenile for a period of time, and there was a 13-year-old who had a one-year-old baby. 13 years old and had a child that was one-year-old. And uh, the hippie movement didn't help us, saying free love. If you want to, go ahead. Whatever you desire, go ahead. A, a world that is lack of discipline. A throwaway society, instead of trying to fix it, we just throw it away and try again. That's the culture that we live in. And it has created sin, regret, hurt, fatherlessness, abandonment. 19 million children live in fatherless homes. And people are living in the repercussions of somebody else's decision. It's quiet because it hits home to every single one of us in the building. Pastor, let's not talk about this. It's, it's uncomfortable because somebody, listen, people want real conversations where they are and how are we going to deal with it. And Saul chose not to do right. Saul disobeyed the prophet Samuel. He gave him option after option after option and then Saul finds himself going his own direction and it affected the children. And uh, in this moment, you'll find a man by the name of Jonathan. Everybody say Jonathan. Jonathan was a dear friend to his brother-in-law, David. David, who would eventually become the king. He was not king yet. He was anointed to become the king. But Jonathan and David were, were so tight. They were very, very close. And, and um, when Saul was doing what he was doing, Jonathan understood the anointing is upon David. David, I understand that God's going to remove all your enemies from your life. That's what Jonathan told him. Saul's son. Saul the king. David's closest friend in life. They were like blood brothers. There couldn't have been. Their hearts were joined as one. They were close as you can imagine. Great, great friends. And it was in this moment that Jonathan said, Hey, listen, I'm asking you that when God removes the enemies that you'll spare me because I know God is on your side. And he's, he makes this statement. He, he, he tells him, he says, and, uh, and thou shalt not only, while yet I live, show me the kindness of the Lord that I die not. He said, David, please don't, please be good to me when this happens. And, and, uh, but also, thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. He said, I'm asking you to be good to my kids. I'm asking you to be good to my children. You're going to be the next king. I'm asking you to be good to my family. He said, he said, so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. I, I want to say here today that David found later after Saul, Jonathan was killed, David didn't kill him. Saul and Jonathan were both killed and and when Saul's kingship was removed and uh, Saul had died by the hand of the enemy, Jonathan had died. The scripture says that Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, he was taken by his nurse about five years old and was running with, with Mephibosheth. 
fearful of the enemy that had come against the family. I'm going to stop and say, the enemy is coming against your family. There's an attack on your family. Young people, there's one thing you should want is God to bless your family. God to bless your mom and dad. You ought to be praying for your mother and your father. And when the enemy came against the family and Saul was dead and Jonathan is, is dead, the Bible says the nurse grabbed Jonathan's son and took off running. And she's running in such haste to get away from the attack of the enemy that she must have tripped and fell. When she did, she drops him. And when she drops him, he is crippled in his feet permanently. He is never able to walk again. And she takes him to a place called Lodabar. And she's hiding him from the new king, thanking the new king because the king always gets rid of the threat of a family airship. She takes him to Lodabar. Everybody say Lodabar. Lodabar was a place of poverty. Lodabar was where the down and out were. Lodabar was the other side of the tracks, if you will. And she had taken the king's grandson and hid him in a place of brokenness, a place of poverty, where he is going to grow up without any of the benefits of what he would have had if the family would have stayed together. Watch what happens. David becomes king. David re remembers his covenant to Jonathan that he will always be good to his family. And so he, he finds one of Saul's servants that are around and he said, do you know if there are, there are any, any of Jonathan's kids, any of his family that are around? He said, yeah. He said, I, I, know, where, I know where Mephibosheth is. He's alive. Where? where? Where's Mephibosheth? He's in Lodabar. He said, I want you to go get him. And uh, David waits, and they bring Mephibosheth in. And when Mephibosheth comes in, he sees that he's crippled. How did you get crippled? But when the enemy attacked the family, running in haste, somebody that cared for me dropped me because they were in such a hurry trying to get things fixed and get us safeguarded that I was wounded. Not intentionally, but I was wounded because of the attack of the family. 95% of kids that go through a divorce feel it's their fault. You know that? When somebody goes through a divorce, when the parents make a mistake, the kids take ownership and blame of that. It wasn't the intention. The enemy attacked the family, but unfortunately the children were dropped and crippled emotionally, sometimes physically. Abuse steps in, trying to get your act together as a parent. The, the children are trying to find their own way, and, and mistakes happen in those moments, and things happen in the family. Sin moves into their life, and he was crippled in that moment. And David looks at him, and David looks beyond him, and he said, listen to me, Mephibosheth. I am glad you are here. He said, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to give you everything you would have received if the family has stayed together. I think it's powerful. I, I'm going to make sure you're loved, you're cared for, and you're getting your inheritance from your, from your grandfather. Watch. And he said, he said, I'm going to love you for Jonathan's sake. Can I say to you today that, that when he brought him to his house, the scripture says, he said, 
for David said, Fear not. Everybody say, Fear not. For I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake and will restore thee. Everybody say, Restoration. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Every day, Mephibosheth is invited to David's dining room, the king's palace. And they would put him under that table where his handicap is now hidden. When you sit at the table with David, if you were a guest and you walked in and Mephibosheth was sitting at the table, guess what? Nobody would have known Mephibosheth is crippled because the past was hidden by the table. And when you are dealing with, I feel the Lord right now, because many of you, if not most of you, were crippled because an attack on our country, an attack on your family, an attack on your marriage, and somewhere you were dropped trying to stumble through life ineffectively, not effective. But I'm going to tell you, when you come to the king's house, he's got a table for every one of you. He hides the past, restores the future. Come on, you don't have to limp through life emotionally. He can give you his joy. He can give you his peace. Oh, I wish somebody would clap your hands and shout, God's a restorer of my soul. Daddy's not in my life, but God's a restorer of my soul. Mama's not in my life, but God is a restorer of my soul. Somebody shout, he's a restorer. How many have ever been wounded by a family situation? Come on. Most, if not all. And I will say to you today in parallel is that when you get married to her and she has children, when she has children and, and they do not belong to you. When you get married to him and he has children, but they are not yours. Can I help you deal with a few myths that happen in step families that are unrealistic? How many received your handout today? Did you get that out? That's something you can take home with you. How many want to have amazing an amazing blended family? Come on, you can have an amazing blended family. Look what it says. Are you ready for the myth? Myth number one. Because we love each other, the other family members will also love each other. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We love each other. They're going to love me because we love each other. Nope. It says love and or good relationships may or may not happen between a blended family. It will likely take time for emotional bonds to develop. Some will bond quickly, others slowly, and it is possible that some individuals may never bond. You, your relationship with the children, hear me, is based on your covenant with their parents. David's covenant with Jonathan caused him to be good to the children. He made a covenant with Jonathan, I will take care of your family. I will provide. I will make sure no harm happens in that. I, I want to say to you in this moment that where, where we mess up in blended families is we try to make them just like traditional families. And the mistake is, 
is they're not your biological children, but you're offended that they, that they don't call you dad. You're offended that they do not call you mom. And man, it's quiet in here. And so you try to encourage that. Hey, I want you to call me dad, mom. I'm going to tell you from what I've seen. I had a good friend that his parents split and, and she, had moved, she had moved on. And, and uh, I remember sitting at the table with him. He was weeping and crying. And uh, the new guy was getting on his nerves. And all he wanted was the new guy to leave so mom and dad could be back together. That's all he wanted. And he was, he was upset. It took a while. And uh, you got to realize that in these moments, you cannot force the hand, force the child to view you as the parent or a parent. If they look at you and they call you by your first name, I feel disrespected. They shouldn't have to say Mr. or Mrs. That's a little bit formal. But when they, when they call you Chuck or Bill, you got to give it time. And at some point, if ever, they look at you and say, Dad, Mom, which can be what? Can be accepted. The myth is they have to call you Mom or Dad. Truth of the matter is your benefit in a blended family is loving those children by loving their parent. And they will respect you because you're good to somebody that they are in covenant with. Oh, let that be an amen. If you're not in this situation, you're going to have somebody in your world with this situation. And having a little wisdom and knowing what to say. And uh, to understand that it's, they will not always call you mom. They might not ever call you dad. But the truth of the matter is, be good to the person you're in covenant with. Loving their parent is going to build such respect that they'll say, Man, thank you for being good to mom. I can tell that you love my dad. And I really, really appreciate that you've given me a safe place to deal with. Now, let's talk about this. There's a rule of thumb when you're dealing with families, blended families, because if you get married to somebody, guess what? Your family just became blended. You just married their family. I taught it two weeks ago. How many know it's the truth? Oh, yeah, yeah. What do you do? What do you do when the in-laws aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing? It's never happened in Ohio. That's only from another state. When mom and dad are acting up, you're, you're, you're a blended family. You brought two families together when you married one another. Here's a rule of thumb. Are you ready? Let blood deal with blood. Because mom and dad are going to forgive their child. They're going to be unforgetful. They're, they're, they're going to be unforgiving to the son-in-law. Are you all getting this right now? When you say, I don't, you, when, you, when you correct step, when you correct, excuse me, the in-laws, you can, you can say something to the parents, but Thanksgiving dinner's not going to taste as good as it would have. Everybody say, let blood do with blood. When they are not your biological children, at least for the first while, true discipline should come from the biological parent. You step behind the scenes, you get in a conversation because two become one flesh. I mean, no, it's true. And you come out with us, we decided not. Here, here's where parenting messes up. I'm going to deal with parenting. should be the last of the series next Sunday. 
I'm going to talk about parenting. But where parents mess up is when they say, I don't let you, but your mom said you can't. Come on, you, you just won points with them, but you're losing. Oh, I'd have let you, but Dad, you know, he's a, little, he's a little more strict than I would be. And that's not how you parent. When you parent children, there's one voice that comes from both parents. And that's why there's a head of the house, and you come back, and it is quiet in here, but I'm teaching right. I will, I will say, say to you that when it comes to discipline, that it needs to be done at least for the first few years. Discipline should be done by the biological family. Does there have to be discipline? Absolutely. And when your children are disrespecting your spouse, that goes in a traditional family. It goes in a blended family. It should never be tolerated. And you deal with it right now. We're not going to talk to him this way. We're not going to talk to her that way. We're not going to allow that in our family. And you've got to give it time for, for trust to develop. And uh, another myth is we'll do marriage better this time around. But guess what? It's a new person with a new personality and different. It's not always the truth. The truth. And... Um, Here's another myth. Our children will feel, will feel as happy about this f new family as we do. Nope. But give it time. Be good to their parent. Be good to them. Set some boundaries and rules and stick to it. Where, where families mess up is what was wrong today is okay tomorrow. I'm going to tell you one of the worst parenting things you can do is be a counter. I give you to the count of three. Well, it shouldn't be done at the count of one. Then you, three, well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a count of three one more time. Shouldn't have to count. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And then you explode when they're getting on your nerves. Well, I'm in the next week's already. And it should be that if it's wrong now, it's wrong tomorrow, it's wrong the next day, it's wrong. Where parents mess up is they base discipline on their mood instead of being consistent. Let the church say amen. The step, myth number four, the step parents will quickly, will quickly bond with the children and like, like another parent, that's not true as I dealt with that just a moment ago. Myth, myth number five, we will be able to easily form a new family. In most cases, children didn't ask for this new family. I mean, no, it's true. They need time to develop a history and sense of family. Don't push to create relationships. It is often better to have minimal expectations of how relationships will develop rather than grand expectations which may fail to materialize. And when you, can you move on? Can you have an amazing blended family? Yes, but not with false expectations. You've got to enter that. I grew up in this. I never heard teaching on blended families. I've done it just a few times since I've been here. But you've got to seek the Lord and say, let me be the best parent I can be to them. Lord, give me the love. And David, 
David in his teaching, David in his example, I should say, was he loved, he loved Jonathan. And it showed in his faithfulness and his, his benevolence and his mercy to Mephibosheth. He didn't bring up the past. He hid it. You should never say things like, well, if you were my kid. Oh, my land. You've just separated the family right there in one statement. You just said we're not. Well, I'm going to tell you, if, 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 if you if you had been raised in my house, you can't go back. You can't have statements from the past. And that's where we err in our parenting and families anyhow. We think we have a free will to speak when we're mad, which is damaging altogether. I've taught, I've taught in this church about emotions, and we're living in a, an emotionally numb state world, but the fact of the matter is, the scripture says to be ye angry. Look at your neighbor and say, be ye angry. It says, be ye angry and what? Sin not. Is it okay to be angry? Any normal people in the building? You can be angry, but don't respond to it. It's where sin happens. Everybody say sin. Be ye angry and sin not. You know what sin does? Divides. Sin separates. Sin splits. You do not want sin to come into that family. I want us to all stand. In this building this morning, you're going to deal with blended family. I see Brother Sister Harris back there planting a church in Etna near Pataskala. We're so thankful to have our missionaries here today, amen, North American missionaries. The revival in 2023 doesn't look like the revival in 1972 and 1980. There's been a, a sexual revolution. There's been a, a moral decay. We live in a generation that says, the Bible says they were going to call evil good and good evil. I mean, over there. Who'd ever thought that we would be dealing with what we're dealing with now? But we've got to have wisdom from the Scripture. Because God's a forgiving God. Uh, I've, I've seen studies that said that blended families can be at most good but never great. I've also seen people say that once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. What I'm saying in the kingdom, there is freedom. It's better than good. I've seen... Blended families that are absolutely amazing. Love is there. Trust is there. Loyalty is there in every direction. Why? Because God is great. And He's greatly to be praised. And uh, if you are, if you have a multi-generational family, you, you're going to have to work through that. It's not going to be like raising your own kids. It, it is... It is, it's going to be different, a multi-generational, a blended family. It's going to be different than the way it was when you were raising your own in a traditional family. But I believe God's going to give us wisdom. We're going to lift our hands, and I want you to let the Holy Ghost touch you. I want you to just raise your hand for 30 seconds because I asked you. I want you to say, God, I'm asking for wisdom to come up over my mind and my spirit. Lord, we are praying today for a holy touch of your spirit upon our life to breathe life into us 
Come on, that's it. Lift your voices across the building today. Lord, we are praying that, God, you would move and you would speak and you would heal. Lord, let us be like David and be in covenant. Covenant with the parent to love the children. I pray that, Lord, your spirit would move over this congregation. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Let your will be done. Let your spirit speak, O God, in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let healing come to every heart. Let healing come to every mind. Let healing come, O God, to this congregation. Hallelujah, hallelujah, for God, you are the restorer of the soul. You're the restorer of the mind. You're the restorer of our spirit, O God. I pray for healing to come over this, over this room right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. How many, how many have ever, ever done the parenting thing wrong? Would you raise your hand? Man, your kids just raised their hand. No, I'm teasing. I'll raise my hand for them. Amen. I'm just, I'm teasing. But the truth of the matter is, you know what you do when you do it wrong? You go back to the Lord and say, I, I haven't done it right. How many's ever done the marriage thing wrong? Yeah. Yeah, made mistakes. Wish you could go back and not say it. How many, how many got that right? I hope, I hope this congregation could say today, I wish I'd have been taught that some years ago from this series. But I also hope in a few years you don't have to say, I wish I'd have known this. There's an amazing revival coming upon North America. You, you mark my words. You write it down in the Bible and date it. There's a great revival coming to the church. And there's a great harvest coming to our country. There really is, and we want it. They're going to come in. They're not going to look like us, talk like us. They've got to learn not to say things, wear things, do things. How many know it's true? But when they come in, the same God that saved us in the church is the same God going to save them. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody shout, I want a revival. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.